Good morning, everyone. This is Kathleen Delahunt, and it's week eight on Rising Up as Sons of God. And today I want to talk to you about the incredible gift that God has given us to live fully in today. You know, most people live in two places. They either live in yesterday or they live in tomorrow. But very few people actually live in the now. And today's teaching is going to focus a little bit more on living yesterday. You know, memories are things that everybody has buried in their heart. But what we have to understand is that memories are perspectives. They are our own perspective that they are not true. Memories are just like emotional feelings. They are incredibly subjective. It all depends on how you are feeling. They are partial and they do not reflect the truth. If five people experienced one party at the same time and then a week later they were all asked to recall what they experienced at that party, there would be five completely different recollections of the memory of the party because every single person would remember partially. They would remember from their perspective. They would remember subjectively what happened to me and they would remember emotionally how did I feel. So the memory is not true. We can't build into a memory because it is so partial, it is so subjective and it is so emotional that we only have a part of the picture and very often we have a slanted part of the picture because if our emotions or feeling were affected negatively, our memory would be a negative memory. So most memories, there are two types of memories that people live in. Firstly, it's the good old days. When life was bigger and it was better and it was carefree and it was beautiful and it was easy and all around it was wonderful. And whenever we remember the good old days, we always remember it from a, a place where we ourselves were younger, stronger, full of hope and dreams. We felt invincible and we had not been disillusioned and discouraged by some of the things that we've experienced since then. So the good old days, remembering that they are partial, subjective and emotional, are no reflection of the truth at all. Because when people remember the good old days, they only remember the hilltops. They don't remember the valleys in between. I remember that there was a lady that I knew for a very long time, for about 30 years of my life, and she was incredibly unhappily married. Her husband and her did not get on at all, and she never had a single good word to say about him. Every time that you, we were together, she would break him down. She would say what a terrible man he was. It just The list just went on and on and on and on and on. And eventually, he passed away. He went to be with Jesus because he was born again. And within a couple of months of starting to visit her again, suddenly it was as if she was married to Prince Charming. She never had another bad word to say about him. He was the most amazing man that ever lived, the most wonderful man that ever lived, the man that was so good to her. And I remember looking at her thinking, what happened? What happened? 30 years you broke him down. And now within two or three months, you are declaring what an amazing man he was. And you know, friends, what happened was that her memories of the good old days were partial. She only remembered the highlights. She didn't remember the valleys in between. And the second thing is that on hindsight, she realized what she'd lost. And the tragedy of living in yesterday, friends, is that we never embrace today. We remember, never embrace the fullness of what today has to bring. You know, I was reminded of a song um, by the Beatles, where it talks about yesterday, and it says, Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday, suddenly. 
I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. And you know, in that song, he reflected two things. He reflected the happy memories of yesterday, those hilltops without any valleys, those when everything was bigger, better and marvellous and there were so few troubles. And then suddenly life changed. And that's the truth, my friends. It's the suddenness in life that brings such completely different memories and such a completely different direction to our life. Suddenly, life changed. And then it brings me to the second type of memories. And you know, the tragedy is that most people are so caught up in yesterday that they have no ability to move on and to move into the future and the good things that God has got for them. And many people, if they're not remembering the good old days, then they're remembering the shadow of the condemnations of the suddenness of yesterday. They're remembering the shame, the guilt, the pain, the regret. They're living under the condemnation, the shadow of suddenly things turn terrible, the torment, the, the, the depression, the anger, the bitterness. They're caught up in a cycle of unforgiveness and insecurities and inadequacies. And there's no way out. They are in a prison of regret. And they are caught in this place of depression. And you know, the trouble is that wherever there's any form of regret, wherever there's any form of pain, the enemy uses our gift, the incredible anointing that God has given us to be able to meditate upon the word and to believe in whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is wonderful, whatever is admirable, Proverbs 4 verse 8. And instead of doing that, we start using the ability to meditate and we meditate on negative things. And friends, that's called brooding. It's called going over in our mind, going over and over bad situations and allowing the unforgiveness to get deeper and the pain to get deeper and the things to get bigger and bigger because every time we go back and we brood on it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's completely out of proportion. It has no value. It has no reality. And we get caught up in this bubble of brooding, living with regret, living with shame, seeing ourselves as a victim due to other people's choices, feeling superior due to the better life we once lived in the days when everything was so much better, looking down on those living today, always the comparison of how much things were better, people were better, life was better, and never getting to the place where you can actually embrace today. Remembering the good old days is so incredibly partial because every single era and every single season had hard times. In the good old days, whenever they were, there were troubles, there were wars, there were rumors of wars, there were financial difficulties. There was all kinds of things that people, if you look back at history, that people had to face, that people had to embrace. And yet those are never remembered when they think about the good old days. They just think about the moments of happiness and the moments of joy. And they talk about that as if that was what life was all about. No, it wasn't. It was momentary. It was partial. There were just as many giants in the good old days as there were good times. And that is the lie that the enemy has established in people's lives to stop them living fully today. You know, my friends, we are living in 2020. And whether we are 10 years old, whether we're 15 years old, whether we're 70 years old, 
95 years old, it makes no difference. We have today, and while we are alive, God has a part for us to play today. He has value that He wants us to bring today. There are things that God wants us to impart and to give and to share and to show and to teach and to experience and to carry people in today. That it's because of where we've been that we've got something to offer today. But if the enemy disqualifies us by causing us to believe that first yesterday was so much better and that people are missing out today and we're living talking and breathing yesterday but never offering life and destiny and clarity into today then he is not able to God is not able to use us at all because the enemy has silenced our voice and has put us on a shelf that we have become worthless and if we are caught up in the regret and the pain and the unforgiveness and the sorrow and the shame of yesterday we cannot impart into today because we've disqualified ourselves and that has rendered us useless so I want to look at what does the word say about today? What does the word say about yesterday? What does the word say about tomorrow? What does the word say about the way that God wants us to live and to live life in abundance? Well, first of all, in Luke 9 verse 62, Jesus said to the man, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So God is saying that the moment that you accept Jesus into your life, the moment that you take the plow in your hand of starting to live for Jesus Christ, you may not look back. Because if you look back, friends, you are not going to plow in perfect straight lines. You see, how do we plow in perfect straight lines? We fix our eyes on the horizon. The Bible says that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We've got to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. We've got to live our life going forward with our eyes absolutely clearly fixed on Jesus. Yesterday is dead and gone and we are to focus in on tomorrow. Yeah, he says that if we were to look back at what was behind us, we will not be able to fix our eyes on that which he has called us to do. And like a plow man, the field will be a disaster as we would have lost focus and gone off track. We have to move away from yesterday and be completely focused on the task we are doing right now for, for the harvest ahead. In this passage, he's addressing them about leaving things and people who were part of the previous season, leaving them behind and taking hold of the task ahead. You see, friends, we cannot look back. In this passage, he says, let the dead bury themselves. And why does he say that? We cannot look back. People that are not prepared to move forward with us, we've got to keep moving. They will either watch us and catch up or they may not be part of the next season of our life but we cannot try and pull people with us or pull situations with us we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and we've got to keep moving and the most amazing thing is those with the same heart will do exactly the same we have to fix our eyes on the plow and fix our eyes on Jesus and we have to move looking forward without looking back and trust that God has got yesterday and Isaiah 42 verse 9 and 10 it says see the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being I will announce them to you sing to the Lord a new song his praise from the ends of the earth and Isaiah 43 verse 18 and 19 it says forget the former things do not dwell on the past that's a commandment see I'm doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it Yesterday has great power for breakthrough, liberty, freedom, authority, and wisdom when we allow our past to be shaped in the potter's hands. But 
It is a prison of arrogance and pride and guilt and shame and regret and could-bes and should-have-beens and if-onlys if we place it in the hands of the enemy. And the way that we place it in the hands of the enemy is if we allow our thoughts to continually Go back to yesterday. Friends, we have to take our thoughts captive. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are carnal and they are mighty in the pulling down of strongholds, the Bible says. And we fight our enemy by taking our thoughts captive. We make them obedient to Jesus and we cast away that which we are not allowed to think upon. My friends, so many people are suffering from mental illnesses today, depression, suicidal thoughts, um, all kinds of mental illness, not because there's something wrong with them, but because they have not learned how to take their thoughts captive and they are continuously brooding on yesterday. And the Bible says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Now, there are three times that we may think back. The first time that we may think back is when we are when God calls us to deal with our brokenness and our past. And my friends, there is one opportunity once that God calls us to do this. You know, Jesus said in Luke that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And he was quoting Isaiah 61. And he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And that means poor in spirit. That means people that have got broken hearts. He then goes on to say, to heal the brokenhearted. What is a broken heart? Somebody that has had pain in the past and they haven't dealt with it. To set the captives free. What is a captive? Where the enemy has taken them captive through shame, through trauma, through abuse, through sexual abuse, through some ter terrible things that happened, where it happened to them or it happened where they were the ones that actually caused it. Because whichever way we look at it, it's still pain and they become captive. Or prisoner. What's a prison? A prisoner is somebody that's become caught up in the ploy of the enemy, that's become demonized, that's become demon-possessed. Why? Because of bloodline curses that have held them in captivity. Or because of, of um, iniquities, things that are repeated sins that they cannot break free of. Addictions where they cannot break free of it. But Jesus says that he's been anointed to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, release from prison to declare the day of the, of the Lord's vengeance. My friends, the day of the Lord's vengeance is when God takes your broken life and he restores it and he changes it and he heals it and then he uses you and your life as vengeance against the ploy of the evil one and your life becomes a great testimony because in that same passage of scripture he says he takes our ashes our brokenness where there is nothing left of who we are and he changes it into something incredibly beautiful my friends there is a time a short season and it is a short season because our wholeness is not dependent on how long we were broken. Our wholeness is dependent on the revelation that when Jesus died on the cross, friends, he did everything. He did everything, that the cross is enough. You see, my friends, he took our yesterday upon himself. He took our pain upon himself. He took our regrets. He took our, our torment. He took our bad choice making. He took our iniquities, our repeated sins. He took our sins. He took it upon himself and he put it on the cross and he said, I am suffering so that you do not have to. I am suffering so that you do not have to experience this pain. Just receive the power of my blood. Just receive me. Just receive the fact that what I'm doing is enough. And my friends, if we continuously look back on our past and we continuously look back at our brokenness and our if-onlys and our bad choices, we are saying to Jesus, what you did on the cross was not enough. What you did did not suffice 
that I still need to suffer and have something more that I've got to do because you're suffering, you're dying, you're taking the thorns upon your head, you're being whipped, you're being hung on that cross, you suffering so intensely for me was not enough. My friends, it is a terrible thing to declare to our Lord Jesus Christ that your pain was not enough to allow me to live in freedom. Because you see, friends, why did Jesus die on the cross? He died on the cross to destroy the works of the evil one. Then why are you still living under the control of evil? He died on the cross to break every curse, friends. Then why are you still living under the curse of bloodline? Why are you still battling with addictions? Why are you still battling with lust? Why are you still battling with condemnation, shame? Why are you still battling with things like bipolar when they're demonically driven? Why are you still battling? Why are you still needing medication when Jesus died on the cross to destroy the works of the evil one, my friends? He died on the cross to restore our inheritance as sons. So that we no longer have to live under the influence of the enemy. He died on the cross, friends, to restore us back to the Father, to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. And if the enemy is still holding you in the captivity of your yesterday and you're still giving him permission... By continuously brooding and giving him access to your mind, you are giving him a legal right to destroy you. My friends, if you believe you're a victim, you are a victim because you want to be a victim. I really want to say this to you. God gives us choice every single day of our life. And every single day of our life, we can make choices to be set free, set free of Anything that has caused us to feel powerless and to feel useless. The power of the blood of Jesus is enough. And when we take a hold of the plow and we look into the eyes of Jesus, he will lead us into a new tomorrow. But the thing is, we have to change the way we've been thinking, believing, and we have to stop brooding on yesterday. And take back our life and take back our thoughts and say to the devil, you may not have my thoughts because I am taking my thoughts into obedience and I'm aligning them with heaven. And the word of God says that we may not talk about the negative. We may only speak on, believe on and think on that which is good. Because the word of God says that our father in heaven turns everything to the good for those who love him. You see, my friend, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you've been because it says in Romans 8 verse 28 to 31, then verse 35 and 37. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and all who have been called according to his purposes. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he glorified. What then shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. My friends, when you realize that what Jesus did on the cross was more than enough, no matter where you've been, that he takes our brokenness, he takes our ashes, he takes our broken heart, he takes our captivity, he takes our prisonership and he releases us and he sets us free and he unlocks that, that prison and he says, get out of that prison. And then he takes the brokenness of where we've been and he's anoints it, my friends, and he heals it. And then we become beautiful. 
And once we become beautiful, my friends, we have an incredible testimony and our testimony destroys the work of the evil one. So we may look back once and we may allow God to bring healing into our lives. And my friends, if we look at the days of slavery of the Israelites, we see that they were led out of Egypt. They were led out of captivity. They were led out of their prison of slaves where they had nothing, where they were being abused, where they were under the control of dominating leadership. And I know many people have been there. And Jesus said, I am leading you out into the wilderness to worship me. Why were they set free of their captivity? To worship him, friends. And you know, in the, in the wilderness years, and that is the space after we've come out of captivity and before we walk into our promised land. And our promised land is eternally with eternity with the Father. But we are all living in that, in that wilderness space in between. And in that wilderness space, friends, why were they led out of captivity? So that they could learn to worship Him. This is a time to learn to worship God. And every second that we spend looking back steals out of our destiny the privilege that we have of worshiping. And every time we worship, every time we come into presence, you he restores our soul a little bit more. He gives us more authority. He gives us more power. He gives us more glory. And I've, I've discussed this all in the previous weeks. And every time we come into his presence, we learn how big he is, how small we are and how powerful he is. And every time that we do that, he empowers us more for the next day. And every day lived well, friends, gives us more authority and more power in the next day. But the Israelites did two things. Number one, they were continuously talking about how broken they were and they kept going back to the patterns of their brokenness and worshipping the same idols that they were worshipping in their brokenness. And friends, that's what we do every time that we say the cross is not enough. Or number two, they look back at their days of slavery and they said it was better. It was better in their days of slavery. My friends, there's nothing about the world that was ever better than following Jesus. The good old days were not good old days. They were not good. Do not be deceived. There was nothing about being enslaved to the God of this world and the ways of this world that made it a better place. They wanted their leeks and they wanted their garlic and they wanted to go back to their slavery and they kept complaining and moaning. And my friends, so many of us live like that today. We look back at the pitiful state of a fallen world that we once lived in and we believe that that's got something to offer us what a lie there's nothing that Egypt has to offer us that has any destiny and my friends I want to say to you today if you've been caught up in this you need to repent if you've been caught up in thinking that the years of yesterday were better you need to repent and you need to say thank you for my yesterdays but it's a new day and I have a new yes I've got a new tomorrow and I've got a new destiny and I'm going to live fully in today and the second thing friends if you believe that God is not enough that the blood of Jesus on the cross was not enough then you have believed that you still have to somehow suffer for anything that you've done then you have just said to Jesus, you died in vain. I want you to repent for that, my friends. You see in Psalm 40, verse 2, and this is from the King James Version, and it's David speaking, and he says, he brought me also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on the rock, and he established my goings. My friends, every single one of us that have met Jesus Christ have been taken out of a horrible pit. It doesn't matter how horrible your pit was out of miry clay it doesn't matter how miry the clay was but he's put your feet on the rock my friends and you've got to learn to stand solidly on the rock of Jesus Christ and you've got to learn to stand solidly that Jesus alone is enough and that he is establishing your goings you see friends the word sozo means to be made whole 
It means to heal, to be delivered, to be preserved, to be saved, to be doing well, to be made whole. And when we surrender and we give our life to Jesus and we say, Jesus, what you did on the cross was enough. My friends, he starts the journey of making us whole and restoring our soul. And he breaks a victim mentality and he breaks an orphan heart and he breaks a poverty spirit and he breaks the the cycle of feeling sorry for ourselves because brooding is about self-pity, feeling sorry for me. And he says, stop it. Put your feet fully on the rock of Jesus Christ. And then friends, the wonderful thing is, it says in Mark 6 verse 56, all that he touched were healed. Every person that he touched was healed. It says in Mark 10 verse 52, Go, your faith has healed you. My friends, when we get the revelation that what Jesus did on the cross was enough, we become completely and totally healed. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22 to 24 says, Hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, which means make you mentally holy. Through and through, may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. My friends, what Jesus did on the cross was more than enough. You have to repent for continuously living in yesterday and you've got to say, please forgive me, God. Teach me to live today. And he will take everything, everywhere that you've been and he will turn it to the good and he will turn it to his glory. And you will marvel at how God is going to use your life. Because you see, my friend, the second time that we are allowed to look back is purely to share the testimony. I once was in this pit, but look what Jesus has done in my life. And you know, there's the most incredible thing that every single time we share our testimony, we are actually prophesying. Because friends, when I share my testimony, and the only time I ever do is so that other people can break through. The Bible says in Revelations 12 verse 11, that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Every time you share testimony, you sign the enemy that's trying to come against your mind and trying to take you bondage and you silence the enemy in other people's lives. Every time that you share testimony, you are destroying the works of evil in somebody else's life and you're reminding yourself of where you've been and you overcome the enemy. And I want to tell you, if you feel overcome and if you feel overwhelmed and you feel the onslaught is too big, share your testimony, declare your testimony, tell somebody what Jesus has done in the past because he will do it again and he will do it again again and he will do it again and you may look back only to share testimony once you've looked back to receive your healing friends and we do need to look back to forgive and we do need to look back to be healed but that has to happen once friends and I want to tell you this so many people believe the lie that if they've been broken for 20 years it's going to take 20 years to bring them into wholeness that is rubbish my friends because one drop of the power of the blood of Jesus restores us instantly he says in in Matthew um so so in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. The moment that we go into the arms of Jesus, the moment that we go into that secret place, the moment that we go into the rest and the presence of God, he starts restoring our soul. And friends, you might have been broken for more than half your life. It will not take long to get healing. The moment that we accept the power of the blood of Jesus, the moment we forgive, the moment we break with it or deal with the trauma, the the moment we allow him to come in, we open, we bring down the walls and we allow him to come into that place to do healing, friends. You will be surprised at how quickly the breakthrough happens. 
And then you may go back and you may share testimony, but only from the place of what God has done. And the third place, friends, that we may go back is when we go back to see the memory of how far we've come. And that's the only time that we may, may go back. And I will talk about that a little bit more next week. How far have we come? When I talk about the journey that we need to walk to come into our wholeness. You see, my friends, every one of us have a journey to walk. But our journey isn't to keep us in that place of brokenness. Our journey is the potter's hand leading us into the fullness of where and what he has been preparing for us so that we can walk into destiny. For us to live in the fullness of wholeness, in the beauty of the restoration of our ashes, we have to understand that the plans that God has for us are incredible, hope and a future. We have to understand that he said to Jeremiah 1 verse 4 to 5, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you. Friends, we have to get a revelation that we were predestined. We have to get a revelation according to Ephesians 1 verse 5 and 11 that God knew us before he planted us on this earth. He planted us on this earth for a very special time and a very special purpose. He said he knows the exact times and places that we are to live. Acts 17 verse 26. He predestined us with a specific thing that we have to do. And to be able to get there, we've got to walk the journey of life that prepares us. And then he didn't only predestine us for when we would be here, where we would live, but also for the works that we have to do. And my friends, so many of us do so many things to try and serve God that are just useless. They don't have any authority or power. We've got to come and say, God, what have you predestined me for? What is the work that you predestined me for? And we can read about that in Ephesians 2 verse 10. There are specific things that God has got for us. And then there's a specific time and a purpose under heaven that God has got for us to live and we've got to find that purpose and that time and we've got to live it to the fullness and that's why I want to say to you it doesn't matter how old you are today you still have a time and you still have a purpose and you've still got to live and you've still got to add value into today I want to say to the older people listening to me today the younger people need fathers and mothers and God they don't need people that judge them criticize them break them down or continuously remind them of the way things used to be they need fathers and mothers that in today can guide them into the wholeness and fullness of today. And then friends, we all have a lifespan. It says in Psalm 139 verse 13 to 15, God knows the exact times that he's predestined for us to live. And my friends, we have a lifespan every day that is written in my book of Lamb before one day of them came to be. And we only have this life to live. And we only have the short season to fulfill our destiny. Too much time has been spent and wasted on what once was and what used to be. And God wants us to live in the fullness of what he's established and what he's created and what he's wanting for us. And my friends, it's time for us to repent for continuously living in yesterday. And it's time to take a hold fully of today because today is the fullness of of the, of the next season of our life. And when we live today, well, friends, when we live today into the fullness of our destiny, we will marvel at how it'll be a stepping stone for everything that tomorrow has got. And so I just want to share with you, yesterday is dead and gone. Behold, the former things have gone. 
Do not hold back. Do not hold on to the past. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. And it's time for you to move fully into the new thing that I have planned for you. If you're still battling with yesterday, friends, just come before the Father and say, I choose to forgive every person that hurt me. And will you forgive me and allow him to wash over you, allow him to bring healing to your broken heart. Take your thoughts, captive friends, make them obedient to God and cast out that which isn't God. Do not give the devil the right to your mind, but allowing yourself to brood to think upon, to spend hours in your mental state thinking upon yesterday. Take your thoughts captive and fix them on Philippians 4 verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, whatever is noble, whatever is remarkable, think on these things and then say, God, I have today. Show me how to live today that you will be glorified. Bless you, friends. I will continue with the teaching on um, living in yesterday in the next session. God bless you so abundantly. Bye.